drop kings. I bet a hundred on myself. I've been all alone. Ain't never need nobody else. I'm at a top floor, sipping margaritas off the show. Wish I had some competition, but it ain't nobody low. Hit a drop. Okay, welcome to Props and Drops. Props and okay, kick it off. Props and drop, props and drop. Props and drops, bro. Welcome to another exciting episode of Props and Drops with Gary Vaynerchuk and Matt Kalish. I hope you're uh, all having a wonderful day. Uh, and uh, we are also um, joined once again by the Fonzie, the Urkel, the, you know, you know, Kalish, you know these shows that like had a script, but then like some fourth tier, Ari Gold. These are like kind of the legends of you weren't right. supposed to mean much, but somehow you weaseled your way into mattering. And sometimes one would argue, become the star of the show. We are here with the star of the show, the Herm. Mike Hermelin's in the building as well. Am I speaking at VCon with Rich Feynman this year or no? No, you didn't make the cut. And you know this, you're mad at Zach Nadler and Andy. Secretly, you're mad at me because you know I have all the power and I actually made the decision. But- I'm not secretly, I'm openly. Oh, openly you're mad at me, but like, you know, I'm excited that you're going to be there. Like, that's important. Okay. Oh, I'll be attending. Kalish <laughs> is taking the slot, hopefully. Oh, yeah. Oh. That's, that's a done deal. Amazing. All right. What are we talking about? I do I do think you'll get a late invite to moderate because I think you'd be a great moderator. Is it going to be off stage? The way it's set up this year is there's no off stage. It's great. Wait till you see what I, you're going to be really impressed. You're going to be proud of me. And you're a good are friend. You find, you'll are say you going to find me in the center of the stage uh, moderating? Once again, eating up the oxygen. Props and drops. Matt Kalish, how are you? What's going on, Gary? How's everything? Everything is well. Went to the Knicks game last night. They beat the Heat. That made me happy. Mm -hmm. Went to the Knicks game in Boston. They beat Let's the talk Celtics. about that one. That made me happy. Went Matt, why don't you talk? Tell us about the Knicks-Celtics experience of Gary in the building. What did you think? Give us the whole thing. Yeah, it was interesting. Gary's a bit of an equalizer. I mean, I definitely still feel like we're a home field advantage with Gary in the building. But, um, yeah, there was, like, little children were rallying around Gary from – it was the Bill Ricca basketball team. Um, yeah, they're just like, Gary, what's up? Probably 20 kids all just wanting pictures. And I think there was enough support. So – you know, considering it was like an OT game that was very close, it could definitely be the case that Gary was like a half point, one point difference. Might now, have in, the us the game. About, in the way that you talk about being an X factor, you saw my energy, right? You saw there was like, that I was a part of the outcome. Yeah, of course, because it, generally it's accepted. <laughs> Everyone knows home field matters, home court, home whatever. And the biggest driver is the, the fans, I believe. Most of the home field advantage come from the fan. And I so, think it's the subconscious. I, I actually think it's the subconscious decision-making of subjective calls that the refs make, which I don't even, it's not like rigging. It's you're a human being. And even if you're the most neutral person of all time, there's a part of you that is like deep in your subconscious making different calls. Like the LeBron layup. Yeah. That was wild. Yeah, yeah. It was really sad to see his meltdown there. No, no. It was super sad that the most blatant foul in Jason Tatum's career was not called. Yeah, it was a missed call. Here's the here's the thing, though. 
why why have we all agreed that endless amounts of bad calls all throughout the game game after game is somehow like not that big of a deal but if it just happens to be on the last play then lebron can cry in the middle of the field or the court and it's okay like what is it's, the called, it's called it's called recency bias right there was a lot of free throws missed in the game that you and i went to but jalen brown missing both towards the end of the game is what we remember and understand. Yeah. I mean, we're all <laughs> math. At least terms, math I don't know. Enough, right? For the people that are listening right now, I don't know if we have, I don't know, I don't recall if we show the, 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 the video of these shows, but Herm was just dying. He went on mute. Herm was dying, choking on a cola that has mm. three hundred calories. Seltzer. Yeah. <clears throat> Here's the here's my thought on this because everybody gets bad calls. LeBron was playing the victim like he's the only one that gets bad calls crying in the in the locker room. Be up by 4 points. Like it's your accountability as a player to you know missed calls are part of the game. If you don't want a missed call to ruin your game, be up by more points on the last play. You know, you know that that can happen at any point. Refs are human. They miss a lot of calls all the time. It's part of the basketball game. And like to just sit there and get so triggered over one missed call to me is not taking a lot of accountability for even being in that situation to begin with where one bad call could cost you the game. Yeah, it's the heat of the battle. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I, I think to make the, you know, it's, you're doing like classic um, politics argument now, right? To make LeBron's reaction, the story versus the atrocity of that call. Like, you know, the one thing I've always loved about the NBA, people get chippy about calls all the time. It's pretty good at the blatant ones, like the blatant ones. I think the reason there was so much emotion of this is that fits into the blatant category and it just didn't get called. Well, he didn't get tackled and some refs don't want to decide the game, you know? So it's understandable that you let the players play. And like, especially a ref ref that has the Celtics like 40 and two when he's refing a game, especially a ref like that, for example. But I'm sure you like, we're all highly accountable people. It's one of the biggest things we talk about and you think he has no accountability at all for putting himself in the position where, you know, not only it struck me as not only unaccountable to not take responsibility for being in that position, but also to act like you're the only player getting bad calls in the league and like nothing ever goes your way. That well, post game well, press conference was just pathetic. I thought. Yeah. I'm on the other hand, go the other way. I think the league, I think LeBron is such a force of nature that it's almost like they, it's almost like a Wilt Chamberlain like scenario, not to that degree, especially not at this age for LeBron, but earlier in his career, where it's like, do I think that LeBron as a superstar um, gets less calls? I sure do. I think for like just on the record, let there be no confusion, do I think Jason Tatum, who hasn't earned anywhere close to the, classic NBA calls for superstars gets better, better treatment by NBA refs than LeBron James. I sure do. And I don't think it's because of status. I think it's because LeBron's such a physical force. And I think like Tatum's a little bit, plays a little bit more elegant. And so, uh, 
I could send you 20 clips of Tatum getting absolute garbage calls easily. Of course, of course. He had a tech one game ago. Literally, he fouled the guy. Same thing he always does where he claps his hands. You know this thing? He goes, like, that got a technical for no reason. It was one of the worst tech. I'm actually talking about on the offensive end, does Jason Tatum find himself on the foul line at a higher percentage of when he's getting fouled than LeBron James finds himself on the foul line for the same scenario. I think there's a Delta there of one that's even in the eye test that I can see. Yeah. It's one of these, I think you could study. It's just like, kind of like, I mean, Shaq, let's go to, let's go to the bigger extreme. Shaq got fouled on every play. Like, you know, there was just, there's just almost like this, like, human nature thing of like big guy versus little guy and you give like it just anyway nonetheless right plus he was so abysmal from the free throw line that people went out of their way to foul him even more too so he was like always shooting free throws it was kind of like um uh claxton right the guy on the knicks absolute star right he's a great defender really emerging, but that he's got that one problem, which is he shoots like Nets, 35% the from the line. <laughs> On the Nets, you mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was like the Shaq thing. He got fouled so much because of the free throw thing too. He was just always there. Yeah. All right, you got us going there, Herm, with that one. That was good. Well, I think, was that, that was like the second courtside appearance of you 2 I think that was really fun. It was, yeah. It was great. I just great want to show. mention that I'm 2-0. and oh. Nick's Beat the Celtics here. Yeah. Um, and Knicks beat the Celtics in Boston. I will agree with Kayla. <clears throat> I kind of went away from it to go to a different subject matter, but I felt like I was in, I, I myself as a human was equally as loud and bringing energy to the building as the entire rest of the Boston Garden was for the Celtic fans. If you really think about it and watched it carefully, from a pure energy standpoint, I think me versus the field. I was able to match the overall energy. That's because the Knicks led most of the game. And I think that had a lot to do with it. I feel like if there was like big spurts, like I think, for example, early on when the Celtics were off and running and couldn't miss, I would say there was a huge Delta difference. But I think the way the game played out, I was able to really generate a lot of energy in comparison to the rest of the Boston Garden. I agree. I think the Knicks were so boring that they put everyone to sleep. Yeah. Uh, listen, I'm, I'll be boring, exciting, over the top, under the top, left, right, black, white, you know, whatever other oh. yang you want, just get me the W. Walked into the Boston Garden and took home the dub. We'll yeah, my that. favorite was Rich the Kid. Was in the, He was courtside right next to us, and he was falling asleep in his chair. <laughs> uh, that wasn't Rich the Kid. It was Fab. Fabulous. Oh, Rich the kid oh wait. Was it, it was the Lakers game Rich the Kid was at, right? Yeah, yeah the next game. Funny. Yeah, <laughs> Fab was there for the Knicks, and then the next game was Rich. So, yeah, Fab looked tired, too. He was not He was not <laughs> that energetic. <laughs> he kind of looked tired as well. I like how Fab is like a, a real Knicks fan, and he came in all green. You know, a, I, told, I told him he looked like the Grinch. <laughs> um, yeah. I will say, Matt, the TD Garden courtside experience is is great. Like a lot of a lot of places don't live up even close. Nothing's better than MSG, but it's good. Definitely better. Than I agree. MSG. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the um, the, the the. I like the Boston Garden. I don't like the whole TD thing. Like 
I'll just keep calling it the Boston Garden. It used to be really cool and iconic. I yeah. wish you got to go to that stadium. That wasn't in the cards, but TDs, like the, the Garden is, it's a really good basketball venue. I like it better than the Staples Center, for example, or Chicago. Okay, next, yeah. Super Bowl. Boom. It's happening. It's coming. The Eagles are going to win 27-17. Oh, my God, I hope not. Matt, wow. what That's what's going to happen. Are you going to place that bet, a future bet, exact score? Probably. I'll I'm going right to do it. Yeah, you could get a good price on that. I'm going to check the old odd. It's about a one-point game, point and a half in the book. I think, you know, the idea of winning by over a touchdown, you could get a good return on that kind of that kind of thing. So Mahomes, you're not really thinking there's a big difference there between him and uh, Hurts? Um, I think Mahomes is hurt a little bit. You know, again, you're talking to somebody who's probably watched seven minutes of the NFL playoffs by accident in the background. So I'm, I'm super checked out. I know Mahomes hurt his ankle. I, yep. I don't know how, I watched zero minutes of Bengals Chiefs. I watched zero minutes of Eagles 49ers. I'm super on tilt still from the Jets season. So I haven't consumed, um, but you know, I think, I think it's less about the quarterback Delta. I think, you know, again, the Niners, I thought the Giants were an incredibly overrated team because they beat an incredibly overrated team in the Vikings. So I didn't put a lot of weight into the Eagles blowout of the Giants. And then it's hard because they blew out the Niners where the Niners quarterback was out, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's like hard to know how good they are. Um, and so, you know. Matt, what do you think? Who wins? Who do you want to win and who um, wins? So you, KC is a, an underdog. They're a point and a half underdog. I think it's hard to say, but, you know, experience matters. Eagles have some people, I assume, returning. Like, what percentage of their team do you think is returning from the Super Bowl champ team that beat the Patriots? Two. Like 20%? No, two. Two people. Two total people. Fletcher and Graham. It's nice that you know that off the top of your and head. Kel- and Kel- no, but Kelsey was there. I mean, super small, I think. Yeah. yeah. So it's not a ton. Casey, probably a little more recent. But more importantly, like their core battery was there, you know, or at least um, like Kelsey was there. Mahomes was there. They have a ring. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I think it's a big moment. Like any quarterback hitting the Super Bowl the first time, you just get a good feel for like, do they show up for that moment? And Hertz has risen every occasion, so I don't know why he wouldn't here, but um, he's probably playing the best quarterback in the league. So we'll see. Yeah, it should be a really good game. Andy Reid Bowl, Kelsey Bowl. I, you know, you know what I think is the most interesting storyline is that you know that Kelsey's are both their parents alive? I think so, right? Mom and dad. yeah you know secretly because they're human beings they are actually rooting for someone you know that right like this is like the great this This is this is the great farce of parenthood like everyone wants to be very like politically correct about it and like la la land and by the way there's i don't think there's like there's only like very specific circumstance to why the parents and they may be rooting for one or the other both of them may be rooting for one or the other. They may both be rooting for the same kid. And by the way, it's also recency bias. 
the reason they're doing that is something not probably macro that they love this one over the other one. It's probably something like maybe something going on in their personal life or some sort of score they're keeping. Cause I think both of them actually have a Super Bowl win, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously Kelsey has a Super Bowl loss. Um uh, but like like I think it's um it's interesting. I'm I'm like, I think the most interesting story of this Super Bowl by far is who do the parents actually want to win? Yeah. Because because I think we all three of us can agree that it's probably not just like they really don't care. Yeah, who calls them more and says I love you? Or like who actually comes over to or check who do they have, Or who do they have more guilt towards and like like regret on how they parented them and they feel like this kept, one of the brothers got the raw end of the stick and so subconsciously or consciously they were rooting for, you know, for example, like in my family, I know my parents would be rooting for me over my siblings. You know, like I know that. That's not true. I, no, it's hundred percent true. It's your sister, a thousand percent. No way. No, you couldn't even imagine. Like my sister's not even in the rear view mirror. Like, <laughs> like it's not even in the mix. They love my sister, but like deep, deep down, they're like, you know, we put too much on Gary. You know, like he, like they, they're just like I just know it. They'd be like, it'd be great for Gary to win this one. Even if it was the same scenario that me and my sister both had a Super Bowl, me and AJ both had a Super Bowl. In Herm's family, it's AJ. Like, just very clear that his parents would be for AJ. Yeah, my brother and I do talk about this. My brother thinks that I'm the favorite. My dad, my oh, mom's right. passed, but my dad. Yeah, you're that, my I mean, I saw, I saw, I've seen it. Yeah, you're the favorite. he's convinced. No, he's, he's very Yeah, he says, he's like, um, like yeah. I'm just your like shorter, slightly overweight, balding brother. <laughs> who's less successful. It's like his joke, his self-deprecating joke that he he does about how my dad loves me more. Well, self-deprecation is always grounded in one's true feelings. Per, I mean, perhaps true. Yeah, no. But Herm, I can tell you, he's, Herm, he's very he's successful. Second. At least he's second. Whereas in Herm, Herm's third in his family. Yeah, Matt. Yeah, imagine having like us as your sibling though. That just sucks. Like. We're tough to beat. We're not easy to beat. It's true. You have to be really bring it if you want to be loved more by your parents. I just love my parents the most, which I think gives me leverage. Yeah, for sure. I think my parents do it. My I'm I'm number one, my both of my parents. I sign cards number one. Wow. Yeah. Um really nice of you. It's true. My guess, by the way, on that is that Travis Kelsey is not the favorite because I think some another thing that can go on is whoever like needs it more sometimes gets the love and depends how his parents think, but they might go like uh, Travis Kelsey gets all this attention and he's taken care of, you know? Yeah, but the problem is that's outward. This is what's fun about families. Travis might have all this more heat given the position, given the personality, but like deep down, they may know that like in real life. So I think that's what's really interesting about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. What would you say? Who do you think the parents are rooting for? Do you think it's a split? Or do you think both parents are rooting for one of the Kelseys? I don't think it's split. I think I think they're rooting for the Eagles. You think Jason is getting the love? I think so. Does he have a Super Bowl ring? Yes. Yeah. I think that's why this is perfect. I think the mom is completely split. I think the dad has one clear favorite and probably is vocal about it. 
Yeah, I don't think there is a there is no such thing as a split. It I don't think we should not, get them as a show. This is going to trigger a lot of people, but like, it's just not the way parents. It's just not human nature. It's not equal. It's just not. Yeah, I'm gonna get. So I have to get the Kelsey parents on the show, and then Larry Bird. Well, you yeah. tried to get Travis on the show already. No, I didn't. Sure, you did. No, I didn't send him that clip yet. I know, but you tried to do it by. Even saying the yeah. things that come out of your mouth in the last episode. Travis is the easiest one to get on the show. You want Travis in the show? He's on oh. the show. Yeah, we just gotta. We I, have to I, know I, more. Like Who Travis drove their parents crazy? I don't like him at all. I don't like any player in the AFC that does good things. Great. We're gonna send that clip. And we're bringing him on. Yeah, I don't want Travis. Uh, he, he, like we play them next year, and I'm not interested in him doing anything good against the Jets. Jason doesn't bother me. Center NFC. That's hates the Giants. I mean, I'm way more Team Jason than Team Travis. And by the way, that's just circumstantial. If Jason was the We're we're bringing both of them on. We're bringing the whole family on. You can't get that done. Oh, I'm getting done. Um, All right, we got the Super Bowl. I feel like we covered this. I hope the Eagles get smoked 27 to nothing. Um, I mean, I'll happily take the other side just for fun here, but... I'm pretty indifferent, honestly. I would really ride with either team. This is a coin flip spot for me. But the prop bets are pretty fun. Like, you can do Kelsey first touchdown, 7-1. to one. You okay. can do – Super Bowl is really known for the props. I don't know if you knew this. There's, like, 200 prop bets. It's like $8 trillion spent on the coin toss. Matt, why don't you, why don't you tell us about what uh, – tell us about the Super Bowl ad that we're running and what everyone could key into. Oh, my God. Well, there's actually multiple. We have a really cool thing going with uh, Molson Coors. It's actually their spot, and we're powering, like, a game. It's a free-to-play game that you can do to kind of, like, predict what will happen in their in their advertisement. So really nifty stuff. Like, as always, we're tech people. We're doing some stuff that's, like, different and cutting edge. So, um, you know, it's been a long relationship for us with, with uh, Coors just like over the years have done a lot of really interesting free play pools, things to just activate their, you know, uh, audience, try to help them, you know, pretty much with a variety of things. So this is the biggest one though. I've seen it everywhere. Like um, even the marketing publications I get, it's been picked up like, like crazy. And then, you know, DraftKings as always likes to have a presence too in the Super Bowl. So like everyone will see what we have in store pretty soon here. I love it. Yeah, you gotta love Super Bowl ads. I don't know. It's it's a weird and uh, weird kind of uh, you know economy right now. There's been a lot of marketers that maybe would have spent in the past that aren't this year. So I'm interested to see like who comes up with something cool. Um, hard trends. Do we done with Super Bowl? Anything else Super Bowl you want to talk about, Gary? Ads, the game. No, no. just that the Jets will be in that weekend. weekend. Yeah. Jets will be in that game next year. One thing I do want to know is what what was said between you and Russ Westbrook a couple days ago. Saw that go viral. I saw it go viral, and I couldn't tell what was being said, but I knew that it was a, a nice moment between you two. Obviously, it was actually me. It was the gentleman who was not in the screen, which is his name is Nima Band. That is uh, my girl. Mona's brother, Nima, took him to the game. Huge Lakers fan. Mm. He's like, dumb. Um, and 
couple plays earlier, Westbrook did this epic play where he threw it off the backboard to himself and laid it in. So Westbrook comes down and he was like, Wes, that was fucking amazing. Great fucking play. Westbrook turns and goes, what'd you say? Thinking Nima said something negative. Nima's like, I just said that that was an epic play on the backboard thing. He was kind of like, yeah, you know, like, like he's in the, you know, I mean, listen, what's crazy about this is I went on a seven minute tirade on this podcast and a 10 minute one with Shaq in Atlanta at a gift goat event where I'm like, you know where I sit on this. I think it's the like it's the thing that's pissing me off the most about the way fans are treating Westbrook. So I'm actually like wildly empathetic to because I'd be in the same place if I was him. So it was yeah. actually a super compliment, reinforced compliment, clarified. It was ended good. It was like cool, cool, cool. I was just sitting there though in the clip. I was like, what did I even say? I, I remember I'm like, he loves, it's kind of like, he loves you. Like it was like, just reinforcing like he's, a, oh, I think I said he's a Lakers fan, right? Right. Next thing I know, it's like, I've yeah, got- Everyone's jumping out. to conclusions, right? The jump to conclusions, Matt came out but and- The best part was there was nothing happening yet. There was no version of what I was doing at the Boston Garden. And you saw, I'm more pro Knicks than anti Celtics. Like, it's not like- I, I'm not, especially when you're sitting courts, I'm not trying to bother nobody. I'm in like pump up my dudes, not, you know, try to rap. Like, I don't think that works. By the way, I'm pretty affected. I'm a 48 year old Knicks fan. Like I'm not trying to get anybody on a Reggie Miller heater. Like yeah. I, I stink at basketball. And if someone talks shit, I get decent. So yeah. I'm like fully in like, I'm doing nothing like, in football, I yell about the other team because they can't hear shit. And it's really more for the other fans. In basketball, I mean, you saw Jalen missed both free throws. I didn't say a fucking word. Yeah. I'm more, when I'm at games in basketball, especially if I'm fortunate enough to be sitting that close, I'm more juice my dudes. I don't really want to say anything to opposing people because I think it actually makes them play better. Yeah, for real. You see, I feel like everyone in the league has that DNA for the most part because you kind of have to, right? Half your games are on the road. Well, and you, know, fans you, know, are, are... you know what happens? I think I think a lot of players are just stoic. Yeah. I think some guys do juice off of the booze. I'm one of those people. Like to me, I'm that character more than like an Eli Manning. You know, some guys are just stoic. RJ Barrett is stoic. Yeah. Like it's just like, yeah. Some people genuinely, you notice they get better when they're getting shit on, like Kyrie Irving for sure. I would put him in that bucket all day. He gets every time I see him in Boston getting booed like nuts. He starts bombing these threes. He hits everything, just like doesn't care at all. He like fuels off of that, and I don't know. But it's part of the job, I think, when you're just spending that much time getting booed and getting criticized and. Even like Jalen, you know, he misses these two shots. And then the next game, he hung like 37 on the Lakers and basically was MVP of the game. You know, he was like, probably couldn't wait to get back on the court and like remedy that, you know? So it's it's just like, you have to be built that way. Otherwise, how do you even make it to the league? You know, but you, you see that, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, we could touch on UFC. Okay. Um, I think we should talk about there's a bunch of big fights coming up. That's something you two have not been together. Side note, I feel like the fans are asking for it. Just letting you guys know. Yep. We're talking. So we got to figure that out post, you know, the next month. Yep. Um, 
let's talk about let's talk about rainmakers we kind of we kind of teased that a little bit matt but i feel like there's a good opportunity to talk to switch a little bit into ufc rainmakers yeah two big things that are going on in rainmakers first is and I don't even want to jump the gun on the end of the season not being a big deal because it is. I mean, people in the Super Bowl, there's a million dollars of prizing that's getting paid out uh, just for holding the cards. You know, if you are like smart or lucky enough to get, uh, uh, you know, Eagles and Chiefs and build up a big collection there, you're going to be in the game, right? And you'll have this chance to win like a split of a million dollars in prizing that's going to have very little competition, like two teams instead of all 30 playing. So you're really just, you know, competing with a much smaller number of teams. It's going to be like, I think really lucrative for people that, you know, went heavy on certain people like Kelsey or Mahomes or whatever, mm-hmm. especially early in the season, you saw how cheap they were. Like Mahomes was a little bit slept on in the preseason, I think. Uh, but yeah, the people who went in on them are really getting those rewards now. But, you know, after the Super Bowl, that's when we really get into year two. Year two is going to be, like, awesome. We're going to start burning last year's cards. Uh, People can redeem them in for current season 2023 packs. Um, Lots of that strategy, I think, will be starting. And then once the draft happens and we start doing drops for the new year, uh, everything will get in a full swing there. But, you know, it will be the offseason. It's a little slower. So that's kind of where UFC, I think, come into play, being super interesting for everyone that was getting big in football. Every single fight, we have, you know, event-specific drops. So you can grab packs of the fighters that are coming up in the event uh, that's coming up that weekend. You don't have to worry about people that are, like, you know, six months out from their next fight because the packs are going to be curated for people fighting, you know, that weekend specifically. So it's a good way to just pick it up, like try the game. If you're into it, then we have like kind of some bigger full collector drops that are um, like our Genesis set, for example, has every single fighter in the roster of UFC. You can use it all season long. So there's really kind of like two tiers of of play that people are doing. It's the week to week thing and it's the full season collector mode. So uh, it's a bit of a new model that I think makes sense for UFC and like so far getting really great feedback on it. And I hope everyone can check it out. Love that. Um, thoughts, Gary? Give give us some give us some feedback on the UFC. Yeah. Maybe. I, mean, I think um, I think UFC in uh, on the pro, it's innovation. It's one of the most popular sports in the pro. If you get your supply and demand curves right, it'll be big. And the con, Prism did not get their supply and demand curves right, and produced way too much product on the trading cards front, which has created our last couple of drops to not be strong. So without looking at the numbers yet, I think in the macro, it's such a one-on-one things are so fun to bet on, right? I'll even mm-hmm. like some of the first bets I think I ever had in my life were like, I'll race you for a quarter. I'm not kidding. Like it's either you fight or you race, yeah. you know, like, you know, like early on, back in the day, I mean, now kids have like, <laughs> now seventh graders are like experts in poker because of the internet. But, you know, um, so I think there's that. So I think it's more about the execution because I think the macro is the sport's enormous. You know, you get the run, you know, you got so many youngsters and so many people in the primetime fights that are going to be executed here that have huge futures. Um, and including legends, John Jones, like, you know, it depends on how this all works out, but like, you know, I think it's going to come down to supply because there's huge demand 
potential over the next decade, but I think they just need to be careful to not overproduce the way that Prism did. What are you laughing about, Herm? You got a funny text? No, I'm just thinking about um, I'm thinking about that episode. I'm looking at my Twitter mentions on the show. I get okay. like once in a while. Alex, you were able to do that during that little rant since only seven people ever tweeted about you. Yeah, no, I'm just you know looking at it. I'm proud of them. Right. Um, and there was one where I am. Um, that was good, right? Dust, that Dustin, was good, right? Dustin, that was a good rats, right? Thank you, brother. Dustin, not Justin, is his Instagram much better follow than Gary. Um, he just texted, he chatted in this live Zoom, LOL, at me. Um, no, I was just thinking about the time. The time, I don't know how this came up, but I called you. I said, you look like Alf. I don't know how. Right. Yeah. And your photo I'm, in my phone is Alf. Right, that right, right. Makes me laugh. You know what's amazing about that? If we went to Times Square right now and said to 100 people, Look at these two people. Which one of them looks more like Alf? I'm not joking. I think a hundred Americans would choose you over me. I don't think, like, not that that means anything. I'm actually weirdly attracted to you, but I'm just saying that no way, because Alf is like brown orange and you're brown orange. And like, that would just be it. You know, like, Dustin, can you please do that? Can you please go to Times Square with a picture of me and Herm? And just, can you please do this? Like, actually do it. We're doing it. I'm doing it as a one-off. Take the clip from here. It's a one-off on my YouTube channel. Oh, oh. People, picture me and Herm, just flat out, bring an Alf doll, you know, like, just because a lot of youngsters don't know who Alf is. And just be like, which one of these two people look like Alf? And just ding, 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 ding. I'm telling you right now, it's 90 to 10. Some people yeah. may <laughs> actually know who I am and they'll just think it's funny. But if it was... 100 people who didn't know who I was, which is very possible, which is what I'm hoping for, I think it's 100 to zero. Yeah, you're right. I think you're scientifically right. Yeah. Because I mean, there's, I'm more like engineer brain than than art or creative brain. And like, there's some real, so the science here is like people looking at art or design, start with color, then shape, then detail. Yep. And the fact that Herm both has the color. His red hair is most similar to Alf. Immediately, you've lost. Correct. So then, you're going to go in this nuance. But his big nose, Herm's big yeah. nose will also hurt him. Yeah. The shape of the nose plus the red hair is just you're dead on arrival. And the beard is fur. Like, this is like 100 0, right? Herm really. I see it. my whole team now is gathered around the screen over here. They all, Norea thinks you are out. She thinks I'll tell you this, Dustin, just don't put the whole bod of Elf, of Elf. Oh, right, exactly. We go into body. <laughs> Elf's chubby, like her. Body of Elf. Body of Elf, not a good situation. Look at this. <laughs> it's Herm. Yeah. <laughs> he literally has the same coloring as you do, Herm. Oh, my God. All right, we walked into this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you don't even see what's going on here. My entire team, Gary Pitt, like, like Alex Herm looks like Alf. Don't Alex. Oh God. Yeah. Why? Right, everyone stay here. Thank you, Herm. All right, what else we got? Um, what else are we talking about in drafts? Actually, what do you think about me, the average guy, the the man of the people? 
Um, I used to open, I used to open OpenSea all the time. I used yeah. to check my, I, I used to transfer stuff to from Coinbase wallet to my MetaMask wallet to my Ledger wallet all the time. Now, every once in a while, I make sure I still have my seed phrase and I'm stressed about losing it because I have not touched my Ledger in months and I have not been open on OpenSea in two months. Are you thinking, like at one point, are you guys like, wow, this whole thing is actually a disaster or it's only about the big projects or it's just like trading cards or it's super niche? Well, never because it's not going to be what happens, right? Like, like the reality is, is like I said on this show over and over, 99% are going to zero. This is internet 1.0. It's too early. It's not mainstream. It's 1999. It's 2000. It's probably even a little bit earlier. It's like a mix of 94, 95 with protocols and things of that nature. Because right now, like the whole thing of like the wallet and it's complicated. That's the old HTTP colon www. Like I didn't even know how to get on the internet. In 1997, in 1996 and 97, I in 96, in 1996 and 1995 and 1996, I wouldn't leave AOL. I would not leave AOL. There was a big globe up there that said World Wide Web. And I was like, that's not for me. Me. Young. Yeah. Uh, that's not for me. 19. That's not for me. So that's where we are right now, which is like, I'm sitting with some people in this room right now. And I'm like, that's not for me. Like, I don't know what a custodial is, or I don't know what a pa I don't want to know my seed phrase. Like, what the fuck are these nerds talking about? Or these people? Like, it's early. So, you know. To answer your question, never. Um, but if in like 15 years, like NFTs are not part of society, then I'll question myself. Like what led me to be wrong for the first time at that level? Um, but I think it's already, like I'm already seeing things that make me confident that's the reverse. You're already seeing like Starbucks is doing this and and Ticketmaster is doing that. And like like it, I just, I think the cat's out of the bag. Decentralized servers at scale talking, <laughs> executing in a decentralized way is very real. We've been living through a centralized reality, right? We talked about web 2.5. We talk about how could, you know, people, a lot of people may like, Gary, how could FTX happen? Well, let me explain to you the technology. It, it, that's a centralized scenario. And that was no different than Bernie Madoff or a bank or anybody who takes futures money and like, doesn't keep it in a bank in a safe place for when the thing's supposed to happen. So, you know, I think, I think never for me, because I think sports cards and comic books are only two little things and collecting is sports cards, comic books, memorabilia, sneakers, art, clothes, vintage clothes, marbles, your grandma that collects all things that are, you know, giraffes and has 8,000 magnets, marbles. I mean, go to look at eBay and like, this is a humongous economy. So it's not just like, oh, when's this like sports cards? It's the same thing I've been saying about NFTs the whole time to friends, which is people are like, oh, nah. I'm like, you know, like it's like Beanie Babies. I'm like, no, no, no. NFTs are stuffed animals, which has been a consistent thing in our world since the late 1800s. Certain projects are Beanie Babies. Certain projects are Cabbage Patch Kids. Certain projects are Raggedy Ann and Andy. Certain projects are Disney stuffed animals, Care Bears, you know, Glowworm, Squishmallows, which is hot now, but won't be for a hundred years because that's what's happening. But, but NFTs are stuffed animals, consistently hot. 
Matt, what do you think? Yeah, there's, I think there's a big segment of what was the market in 2021 that is vanishing rapidly, which is like the not long-term thinking speculation, like grab stuff, hope it goes up and then sell it faster immediately. And that was a big part of like the, any any hot market, you see that. It's sort of like uh, internet poker in 2001 or whatever, through 2003 with Moneymaker Bubble and everybody kind of go in, feels like quick, easy, fast money for a while, but then nothing lasts forever, you know? So I think that there was that big like surge of interest bubble and then back to reality, which is about, if you look at the market now, it's pretty stable. Like things aren't super volatile right now. Crypto punks have been in the mid 60s for months, like two months probably. Board Apes Yacht Club have been like 75 ETH floor for months. Uh, things aren't super crazy, super volatile, like up and down. And so I think that gets you back into back to basics, really. Like when I grew up, I've said this before on the on the pod. When I grew up, it was like you might get an eight percent return a year on investments you make. Now there's like a lot you more. A, if you were a, if you were great. If you're good, yeah, yeah, a bank return would be like quarter percent, you know, interest on your savings. Eight percent, you were like going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, eight percent. You're you're basically like elite, and yeah, like there's that macro scenario that popped up where people are getting 10x 50x 200x on projects in a day and stuff by the way it's no one Herm, it's still happening correct me if i'm wrong i'm a little bit i'm busy as shit this week i saw a tweet yesterday that said if you put 2.5 eth into checks which is like a hot nft project right now i think it was an open mint or free or something that it returned to a million dollars already like there's still chaos going on oh my god yeah um I think like the core, the core of it though, is like these projects are, it's either some kind of alt investment or it's for fun. If it's for fun, there's lots of things you can do for fun, right? It's not like you're chained to OpenSea because it's your, your job or your lifestyle or something. And so yeah, I think with some of that, like excitement, the bubble, the like crazy, crazy stories every single day, it's gotten more into the mode of like, we got real there's real um, kind of supporters of the space, real uh, long-term thinking holders at this point. And things feel pretty stabilized. So I do agree with Gary. I think it'll just go towards, well, what projects are worth people's time that they actually want to like go engage with because everything is not that great. You know, There's a lot of things that pop up all the time that probably aren't worth our time to go deep on. And that being said, like, Obviously, like um, many, many companies are spending time developing here. DraftKings being one with Rainmakers, Gary and, and Vayner going big on VFriends, as well as other things, you know, Flyfish Club, et cetera. Yeah, Vayner is like, a separate marketing company. Gary is definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you got like, even in the cases where you see people kind of like slowing down, it's not like full shutdowns, right? It might be right sizing the company, like Dapper had a layoff, a, a few companies, um, uh, Candy, for example, Michael Rubin got a little sharper on like what fanatics will be doing with digital collectibles. But like nobody's just totally out, right? For the most part, people are just like trying to right size for what the opportunity is right now in this economy. So 
Um, I definitely agree. I think it's like a long-term thing that's stabilized and now it'll go uh, based on the quality of the work of the developers. All right, I got one more. So um, I, I, I finally finished that book, Gary, that you gave me like before we even really knew each other, Boom, which I think you didn't finish, but it was good. Um, about, so I'm kind of in this mode of buying some art. I'd like to put some nice art on my walls. So like, you know, you go to galleries and you meet some people and I want to spend, I don't know, say it's like 10 to 20 grand on pieces of art that ideally goes up, but it's, it, it, it's rooted in like, I want to like, I need to love the art, understand what the artist is, all that stuff. Kind of why you buy NFTs. Do you think it's a better investment to, I know it's all subjective, but just go with me on this. Do you think it's better to spend, would you, would you spend like 10 grand on a piece of art that you like physical? Or would you do it on like buying a doodle or buying one of those pieces? It's completely the same thing, right? Like if you, interesting. like to me, like Rashid, right? Like as an artist, contemporary art or, or Jody, like some of these people that are kind of popping versus a crypto punk or something that you believe in, like this goes back to the stuffed animal versus the beanie baby. Art or NFT, both can play out massively or horribly depending on the thing underneath. If you pick an art, I mean, the amount of artists that are the next big contemporary artists that get up to 100K and then three years later are four, or 13, 15 years later are 7,000 because it didn't pan out is real. <clears throat> now, art is more mature at this point so there's less gold rush like there is with NFTs, but like in a normalized, standardized, amortized out reality in 20 years today, if, you know, to me, the one I'm most comfortable with is CryptoPunks. CryptoPunks at 100K floor right now versus 100K painting from a person that's really destined to be that guy or that gal. My intuition is that the punk will be better if they're equally the best because of the ease in which they transact, the nature of the demand, the growth curve that happens in the next half century on NFTs versus art, um, kind of like coins. That, like if you did the same thing with coin stamps and baseball cards in the eighties when all, so I grew up in sports cards in 86 and everybody said, would you rather do coins and stamps that are more guaranteed or sports cards? I argued sports cards because they were more pop culture. This was actually my argument at 11, which is why I led to become who I was. And, but here's the thing. If I put all my money into Mike Greenwell rookie cards in 87, which I was a big Mike Greenwell guy, I was a buyer, um, that would have been wrong. And had I put all that same money into a coin that today does solid, I would have been right with the coin. The problem is if I put all my money into Michael Jordan Fleer rookie cards at 80 bucks a pop, I would have been super right. Yeah. And the coin, I could have bought a coin that at the time that is 100K, that's now 3K because coins have died. So I think that's the analogy I would give you to that question. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Macro and micro. Mm -hmm. That's a I good question. You see where I'm going? I think the macro upside will be in the favor of NFTs. Not that they're better than art. They're in a different life cycle than art. That already happened. Like the art game that you know Stein is getting you into now and all the other friends you have, which is why you're getting suckered in. Um, that happened in the 60s. That was yeah. 1967, 1973. That's where shit could have been crazy. Now, these things are expensive the second Vito represents them or, or, or you know, like 
this guy or that girl or this person, like it's already a mature market. So the upside is more stabilized, even in the one year of, I, I still think that NFTs are so young that we may see two more gold rush moments. I think it's just still like tremors of like a, like I feel like this this thing I saw yesterday, Kalish, like the checks thing, I'm like, ugh. Like, you know, 2.5 ETH to a million bucks. If it's true, again, I'm speculating off mm -hmm. of a tweet that I saw that seemingly had confirmation behind it. Like, fuck man, right. that's like, you know, that's still a little radical. All right, I got a question for both of you, ready? Um, yeah. What would you buy? Moonbird or a doodle? By the way, by the way, the check score is 1.35 ETH. And I, I'm looking at it now. Volume is, yeah, I think it was like free. Yeah, I, yeah, here we go. On January 1st, sales were at 0 0.01 ETH. Right, so 0 0.01, 0 0.01. Right, so that math makes sense, right? If it's 0 0.01, which I assume was like 10 cents or whatever, a dollar, or I, I, you know, I'm doing quick, and now it's, 1.3 and so it's now 20 it's 2002 the last one sold four minutes ago for two thousand two hundred dollars checks number seven six eight oh again i know nothing about this um uh other than it's in the headlines and that's what i'm paying attention to and so that's it that's what happened uh moonbird moonbird or doodle which one are you buying and why we'll end on this kalish Tough one. Well, I have a doodle and I don't have any moonbirds. <laughs> I have a very good doodle. So I have an alien. And it's a good answer. So should I just show my bag? I don't know. You're probably no, just, you're fine to do that. But um yeah, to I'm... be to be fair, I feel like moonbirds, that was kind of like that last possible moment where you could still launch a project that did well before the um people kind of pulling back heavily, you know. So I feel like what they achieved, given it was like the last one sort of that really did well, like I was I was pretty impressed by the performance of Moonbirds. I, I it's you know it's funny. I think this is true what I'm about to say, but I could be wrong. I might have one or two less doodles, but like I think I have like three and or four good ones for both projects. Obviously, I'm much closer to Kevin Rose as a human and have a lot of confidence in his capabilities, but I do like what I'm seeing from the doodles you know, world, I, I think that's a real, first of all, it's a great question. So kudos to you, Herm. Did you ask it or did somebody give you a script to ask it? Or to catch? You did, randomly from yourself. Yes. From that beautiful well, Alf. Maybe because I'm thinking about, I don't have either and I'd like, I think I want to buy one. It's a great question, Alf. Um, so I would say Moonbirds, just because it's a purely emotional one, because I would like to see Kevin win. But those are two, no question in my mind, those are two of the 25 PFP IP projects that have the ingredients to be here in 13 years. Um, and we'll see if they are. And on that, we wrap.